we are still looking at the life of Elijah, and I'm going to be reading chapter uh, 19, verses 19 through 21. The Bible says, So Elijah went and found Elisha. So there's Elijah, and there's Elisha. Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about, think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. And then look at James chapter 5, verse 17, our theme verse for this series that we're in. Elijah was a man just like us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I believe that there you brought people in the room today that are watching online today that are looking for wisdom, for guidance, and for direction in their walk in life and in their walk of discipleship following Jesus. And so, Lord, I believe today you've given me a word to help teach uh, this morning uh, our people, our church, the, those that call this a church home, teach them a biblical principle for how to walk out a life of discipleship and have a mother or a father in the faith that can help lead them and guide them and mold them and shape them. And so my prayer today is, is that we receive counsel from the Word of God and that we walk in that counsel and that you bring the hearts of fathers back to the hearts of sons and you bring the hearts of mothers back to the hearts of daughters. And Lord, you provide a natural natural, uh, but supernatural way to bring disciples to maturity. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, we're in the final days of the life of the prophet Elijah. We followed him from where he was first called by God, and we followed him through Mount Carmel and calling down fire. Last week, we looked at that season of, of discouragement that, that Elijah was, was under and where he was so depressed and discouraged, and the angel came to minister to him there uh, in the wilderness. Uh, uh, in but he's realized at this point in his life, this is right after that season of discouragement, he's realized that uh, he, he's got more years behind him than he has in front of him. He's realized that he's at a place where there is, uh, there, there, he's maybe near the end of his life. He doesn't know exactly what that looks like. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. But he knows that uh, I've, I've pretty much fulfilled my assignment. In fact, Elijah is, is keenly aware of the fact that the wicked king and queen of Israel, Ahab and Jezebel, they've put a hit out on him. They're still hunting him down. He's, not, he's had the Lord lift him up out of discouragement, but that hasn't changed the fact that the king and queen still want him dead. Uh, they, he had been highly critical of the king and queen because they had introduced idol worship. They had introduced the worship of Baal into the nation. And so they were angry at Elijah because Elijah had criticized them. So he's aware that any day could be his last day. 
He, he's aware that any day they could make good on their threats. He's aware that any day uh, I, I might go and be with the Lord. And one of the final instructions that God gave Elijah, and we looked at this a little bit last week, uh, was that before Elijah's ministry is over, he's to go and find a young man named Elisha. And he is to anoint Elisha as the next prophet to replace Elijah. You can look at that. We looked at it last week when we talked about God brings people into your life a relationship to help you out of discouragement. And so he says, you're going to go find the, the young man named Elisha and you're going to uh, uh, you're going to anoint him to be your replacement as prophet in Israel. So today I want to use this this final message in the life of Elijah to spin off into another sermon series uh, I believe the Lord is leading us to go to in the next few weeks. And I want to take the next few Sundays to preach and to teach on this subject. Spiritual paternity. Spiritual paternity. Now, most of you, when you hear the word paternity, you, you think of what I thought of, which is growing up when you stayed at Nana's house and Maury Povich show was on. And yeah, yeah, and you're fine. They're doing a spiritual or excuse me, a natural paternity test to find out who the daddy is. That's what we think of when we think of. But am I the only one? Come on. OK, all right. Everyone automatically. You saw Maury. You saw the set. You saw the couch. You saw the whole thing. You know, like we, we all we all know what paternity is. Right. But I, paternity speaks to the idea of fatherhood. It speaks to the idea of parenting. Uh, paternity speaks to the idea of Raising up children. And spiritual paternity is the biblical idea, listen, that every believer ought to have spiritual parents. Every believer ought to have spiritual parents. Every believer ought to have a father and or a mother in the faith. Now, natural parents, let's talk about natural parenting for just a moment. Natural parents conceive a child. They, the mother carries a child uh, in, in pregnancy for nine months. Uh, a natural parent gives birth to a child. A natural parent is to nurture a child or provide for a child or teach a child or guide a child. And the goal of natural parenting, this is a parenting 101 course for maybe some of you. Goal number one, you want to raise up your child into mature adulthood. Everybody say amen. You do not want a 35-year-old living in your basement eating your food. You want to raise up a child to become a mature adult, right? And number two, as a parent, you want to leave a legacy and an inheritance for your family. The Bible says every good father works toward an inheritance for his children, that, that we want to leave something behind for our kids. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Not every parent does all these things, do they? Some parents are neglectful parents. They might conceive a child. They might carry that child to term. They might birth the child. But somewhere along the way, they neglect to carry out all the rest of the responsibilities necessary to launch that child into mature adulthood. But some parents are adoptive parents. And some parents, they didn't conceive the child, and they didn't carry the child, and they didn't birth the child, but somewhere along the journey, they adopt that child into the family, 
and they take up the role of parenting that child anywhere else along the growth process. Adoptive parents. So not every parent gets to go through all of these stages of life, but and some parents are neglectful parents and they stop somewhere along the journey. And then other parents are adoptive parents where they jump in somewhere along the journey and pick up where someone left off. I want to suggest to you that spiritual parenting is very, very similar. The model for a spiritual parent is a mother or a father in the faith is this. One, conception. They begin planting the seeds of faith into another person's life. Conception. They begin planting seeds of the gospel. They begin planting the word of God into someone's life. And, and then the, the pregnancy stages, you're beginning to cultivate that seed in another person's life and cultivate and show and live life alongside that person as that seed begins to grow and germinate and develop. And then the birth is when you lead another person to become a follower of Christ and make a decision to follow Christ. And they're born again and, and you've brought them to that point in their walk with the Lord. And then you nurture them. You disciple that person. They're, when someone, everybody at some point or another is an immature believer, that when you get saved, the Bible says you're a baby in Christ, that you, you haven't been taught yet. You, you're just drinking spiritual milk. You haven't graduated to, to eat spiritual meat. And so everybody needs someone to nurture them in that infancy stage spiritually. And then you provide for that spiritual son or daughter, providing the care and community that they need to grow in their walk with God and providing relationship that helps them to grow. And then you teach and guide that new believer and how to live for God and how to disciple others. And you lead by example as a spiritual mother or father to someone coming after you. And watch this. There's goals in spiritual parenting as well. Goal number one is you want to equip and empower that that spiritual son or daughter to go out and fulfill their calling and purpose in life. You want to raise up that spiritual son or daughter into maturity. And then goal number two is you want to leave a spiritual legacy behind. You want to leave a spiritual inheritance behind. You want to impart your spiritual DNA, your, your walk with Christ, the things you've learned, the things you've experienced, the testimonies you have, the wisdom you have, and the spiritual gifts that you have. You want to impart your spiritual DNA to the next generation. This is what spiritual parenting is all about spiritual paternity now sometimes your spiritual parents are your natural parents sometimes they are but often they're not sometimes your spiritual parents have been a part of the entire discipleship process for you they were the ones that first told you about Jesus and they're the ones that led you to make a decision to follow Jesus and they're the ones that discipled you but but often unfortunately we have spiritually neglectful parents that they might tell you about Jesus but then not teach you and not guide you and not disciple you and then there are those spiritually adoptive parents that they they find you're already a believer but they find you somewhere along the process and they take up the mantle to begin to disciple you and to grow you into maturity but can i tell you something about us as christians especially in the 21st century especially in the western hemisphere the church has become excellent at event planning. 
The church has become excellent at creating engaging content and creating and cultivating emotionally interesting worship songs and emotionally engaging worship services and media and sermons and speeches. We're really great at that. We're even relatively good at evangelism. We know how to tell people about Jesus. But if I'm honest with you, we're largely unsuccessful when it comes to spiritual paternity being fathers and being mothers to young believers and walking them through the journey of faith and walking them through the walk of following Christ. We're really good at teaching spiritual things. We're not so good at parenting spiritual sons and daughters. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 4, verse 15, he said, For though you might have 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. We'll have some time for response and ministry at the altar and, and, and you to pray for, pray for you in a moment. But I want you to ask you right now in your own heart, don't raise your hand, don't, don't say anything out loud, but I want to ask yourself this question. Do you have someone right now in your life that you are submitted to as a spiritual mother or father? Ask yourself that question. Now, some of you, you heard that question or you read that question, and immediately you thought of a person at some point in your life who was a role model. You thought of someone that you looked up to, someone who inspired you, but that's not what I asked you. I asked, is there someone in your life right now that you are submitted to as a spiritual father or mother? That means that this is an active, current relationship. Not someone from your past, someone that's active and current in your relationship right now. That means that that someone knows who he, that, that means you know who they are. You, you know who he or she is, and they know that they are your spiritual mother or spiritual father. There's an understanding about the relationship, and that you don't just listen to their advice, but you're submitted to their leadership. So, your, your, your favorite TV preacher can't be your spiritual father. Uh, your favorite famous worship leader that you watch their YouTube videos, they, they're not your spiritual mother. And someone way back in your past that you used to have a relationship with, but you no longer have regular contact with, that's not it. I'm talking about they're in your phone and you're in their phone. Someone you can call, you can reach out to, and they will pray with you. They will teach you. They will talk with you. They'll lead you. They'll guide you. They'll listen to you. They'll love you. They'll cheer you on. And listen, they can correct you, and they can rebuke you, and they can challenge you, and they can coach you, and they'll check in with you. Do you have someone like that in your life? I would venture to guess most people in the church today, even people in church a long time, probably can't say they have a true mother or father in the faith. I would guess that looking around the room. But we're going to fix that over the next few weeks. We're going we're to teach you 
We're going to show you what this looks like. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what the Bible teaches about this vital relationship in a believer's life. We're going to look at how, how to find a spiritual mother or father who can raise you up and how to submit to a spiritual father or mother. And we're going to teach some of you how to be spiritual mothers or fathers. This kind of relationship, y'all, it's found all through the Bible. We don't talk about it a lot. Some of you, this might be a brand new concept to you, but it's all through the Bible. Moses was a father in the faith to Joshua. Samuel was a father in the faith to King Saul and later King David. David became a spiritual father to his 300 mighty men that were hiding in a cave. And he raised them up and he taught them not just how to fight. He taught them how to love God. Mordecai was a spiritual father to Esther. Jesus was a spiritual father to his 12 disciples. And then even more so to the inner three, Peter, James, and John. You turn over to the book of Acts and Priscilla and Aquila, they were spiritual parents to a man named Apollos. Paul became a spiritual father to countless believers and all the churches that he planted in Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth. And then every place he planted churches, he was their, their spiritual father. But he was particularly a spiritual father in the lives of people like Timothy and Titus and Philemon. Uh, God has chosen the father-son, mother-daughter relationship as his way to raise up mature, strong faithful followers of Jesus. He has chosen that father-daughter, that father-son, mother-daughter relationship to raise up mature followers of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Being a parent is more, is less about conception and more about maturation and impartation. Being a parent is less about conception and more about maturation and impartation. Almost anybody can conceive a child. This is a convicting moment for, for some of us because really, if you apply this spiritually, almost anybody can win somebody else to Jesus if you actually do it. You actually make the effort and go out and tell people about you. Almost anybody can do that. But it takes a long-term dedication to be a father or a mother. Only true parents can raise up a child into mature adulthood. Only a true mother or father can impart an anointing into the next generation on a son or a daughter. Being a father or a mother in the faith is about recognizing God has put something in me. There's a calling. There's a purpose. There's a, there is a, an anointing on me. And I'm supposed to sow what God has given me into the next generation of believers. I'm so what what God your calling, your purpose, your anointing, your spiritual gift, your your uh, prophetic gifts, your 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 spiritual DNA, it's not just for you. We're supposed to take it and then sow it into someone else. We're supposed to carry it on into the next generation of believers. And being a son or a daughter is about recognizing a gift or an anointing or the spiritual DNA of a mother of a father in the faith and saying, I want what they have. I want what they have. So let's go back to Elijah and Elisha for just a second. I want to point out a few things about how their relationship began that I think are important for us to recognize uh, as we begin seeking God's will and word when it comes to spiritual paternity. First thing I want to look at is selection. 
selection when it comes to spiritual paternity. I want to look at how the selection of a spiritual parenting relationship took place. Last week, we looked at it. God told Elijah out in the wilderness, he said, you're going to go back to work. You're going to finish out your assignment. You're, you know, you're toward the end of your life. You've got less years in front of you than behind you. And so you're going to go and you're going to find uh, a young man named Elisha, and you're going to anoint him to be prophet in your place. And that's my first point about selection when you're trying to look for that dynamic, true spiritual parenting relationship is that God will lead you in your search to select a spiritual father or mother and a spiritual daughter or son. God leads in this relationship. It's God's will. He will lead. Don't just pick anybody. Don't just pick anybody. Pick God somebody that you want, that you know will be a trustworthy father or mother in the faith to lead you and guide you. That means that this relationship, it's got to be a matter of prayer. It's got to be a matter of obedience to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone who looks like a good role model is a good role model. Not everyone who is popular is healthy. Not everyone who has a lot of followers is necessarily a good leader. Let God lead you as you seek out a spiritual father or mother in the faith. So Elijah goes because God has led him and he finds Elisha and he's in the in the field plowing. He's working. And that's my second point. Keep serving God and working for God even while you're waiting for adoption. He was out there working. He was out there busying himself. He was finding something to do. He was being productive even before his father found him. He was being productive even before he had someone he could follow. He found something to do. You can't just sit around. God calls oftentimes busy people. He looks for people who already have a passion, who already have a drive, who have already put their feet and their hands to work. And God says, I can use that in you. There's something in you I can use and I can I can cultivate and I can guide and I can channel and direct that energy that you have. So many people wait for recognition before they'll start doing anything for the kingdom. Elisha found Elisha Elijah found Elisha already working. Elijah wasn't just sitting around waiting for someone to hand him a microphone wasn't just sitting around waiting for someone to to, uh, tell him he can come up on the platform, wasn't just sitting around waiting for someone to compliment him and puff him up so that he could feel like he could do the job. He found something to do, and he busied himself before he was ever recognized. So Elijah comes out of the field where Elisha's plowing. There's 12 uh, teams of oxen, so obviously... Uh, scholars say that is indica- indicates that Elijah was Elisha, sorry, was a part of a wealthy family. They had a twelve team of oxen. There was a big field they were plowing, and it says Elisha was in the last one. He was in the back, and so he was there. And and the prophet went and found him. He walks by him and he throws his cloak on him. The King James version says he 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 throws his mantle on him, and then Elijah walks away. Now, in ancient times, men and women who operated in prophetic ministry, they would often wear a particular type of clothing that would signify who they were, that they were a prophet. Uh, Often they wore heavy, furry uh, animal skins as an outer garment. And that's unusual because that's a hot part of the world. And, you know, normally you would wear light linens. You would wear something light and loose. 
but, but the prophets would wear heavy fur animal skins. You remember in the New Testament where it talks about John the Baptist and he, he, he wore camel hair? And it, it, makes a, it makes a big deal out of the fact that John the Baptist wore, wore camel skins because he was a prophet. That was that mantle, that cloak that he wore was indicated that he was a man who was called to prophesy. And so Elijah had one of those too. So he takes that prophetic cloak, he takes that uniform, so to speak, and he takes it off and he threw it on the shoulders of Elisha. And it was a symbolic act of saying, God has selected you to be the next prophet to succeed me. He's saying here, God is placing this prophetic ministry on you. Here, you take this, you take the uniform, you take on the cloak, and God has chosen you to carry this prophetic gift, this mantle, the King James Version calls it, this cloak of my ministry into the coming days and years. Now remember, spiritual paternity is more concerned about, is more about impartation than it is about conception. Elisha is saying here, I'm ordaining you. I'm imparting the gift that I have been carrying and I'm imparting it on you. I'm transferring this prophetic ministry onto you as my successor. What I've been wearing, what I've been carrying, what I've been bearing, I'm going to put it on you. And the Bible says he threw the mantle on Elisha and then he kept walking. But Elisha, the young man, when he recognizes what happens, the Bible says that Elisha left the oxen standing there in the field, and he ran after the man of God. He catches up to the man of God, and he says, please, prophet, I, I want to follow you. You've chosen me, and I want to serve you. I want to learn from you. Is it okay if I go and tell my parents goodbye, and then I'll come and I'll follow you? And the prophet says, go on back, but think about what I've done. Think about the meaning of me taking off this prophetic cloak. And giving it to you. Think about what has this done for me? I've seen miracles. I've worn this cloak and I've seen fire fall from heaven. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen God provide that, that endless supply of flour and oil to save the starving widow. And I've seen the miraculous, Elisha. But I want you to think about it because this thing has also cost me something. I've also been on the run. People hate me. People don't like me. People want me dead. So you got to understand, Elisha, if you want what I've got, you got to take the whole package. He said, think about, think about what I've done to you. Go back, say your goodbyes, and think about the weight of the mantle, the weight and the responsibility of the purpose and destiny you're being called to, and then make a decision about whether you're willing to follow me as my son. So that's my point number three about selection. Sons and daughters are to pursue a relationship with the spiritual parent after a voluntary and intentional choice. This is a voluntary thing. Here's how this works in real life. I can't go up to you, Miguel, and say, you're my spiritual son and you have to obey me as a father in the faith. I can't do that. All I can do, Miguel, is say, Miguel, I see something in you. I see potential in you. I see who you are called to be. And I'm going to acknowledge the calling that God has placed on your life. And then you have to choose, am I somebody you're willing to follow? See how that works? And everybody, you need to have that kind of relationship with some kind of parent in the face. Someone that will lead you and guide you. In other words, Elijah, he fulfilled his duty. God just said, go anoint him prophet. So Elijah went by, took off his cloak, said, you get the uniform. 
I'm retiring. You can have the uniform. Elisha made the choice to follow the man of God and be mentored and taught and fathered by him. Elisha could have went to the other guys out plowing the field and said, oh, look at me, y'all. The prophet came by and look at this nice new cloak that he gave me. Look at everything. Look who I am, y'all. Y'all are going to be cold this winter, but the prophet gave me a nice heavy coat to wear. And you know, this, you know what this cloak means, don't you? It means that you got to listen to me because I speak for God now. He could have gone back and said, uh, where, uh, where's the guy who gave this to me? Oh, I don't know. He, he just kept walking, but he, he gave me this gift and he didn't, he didn't stay to talk and he didn't seem too interested in me and he didn't seem like he wanted to, to mentor or teach me, but I got his coat, so it doesn't matter. He could have said, I got the gift. I don't need the guidance. I got all I needed from him because he imparted the gift to me, but he said, no, I want to be Father, He said, I could have done that, but he never would have lived up to his full potential. He knew he needed more than just the covering of the cloak. He needed the covering of a father. He needed the content of a father's heart to be poured into him. So he ran after Elijah. He pursued Elijah. He made the choice to say, I want just not just what's on you, Elijah. I want what's in you. I want your call. I want your DNA. I want to be who you are. I need a father who's going to raise me up and mature me and help launch me into to my purpose and into my calling. So Elijah says, he says, you can go tell your folks goodbye. He says, but you need to think about this. Think about it some more. And if you're really willing to sign up for following me as a son, if you're really willing to submit to me as a son and allow me to lead you as a father, then when you're done saying your goodbyes, you come find me and we'll start our journey together. So selection, God will lead you to find a father or mother in the faith. God uh, will lead you in that journey as it's a prayerful process. He'll lead you. And even if you don't have someone you recognize as a spiritual father or mother, it's keep serving God while you're waiting to be adopted. And then make it a prayerful decision to pursue someone that you see as a mature believer or more mature than you are and say, I want what they've got and I want to follow after them and I want to make an intentional decision to allow them to be a father or mother in the faith in my life. That's the selection process. Now, I want to talk to you about after you've made the selection, there's a sacrifice. After you've made the selection, there's a sacrifice. Elisha, he goes back, tells his mom and dad, he says, the prophet gave me his mantle, he gave me his cloak, he's called me to follow after him as a prophet, and I'm going to go. And he says, this is a, let's celebrate. God has chosen me. God has a destiny and a calling and a purpose. Let's celebrate. And so he says that the oxen that he had been using to plow the field... He killed, and he slaughtered, and he sacrificed. And then he burns the plow. The plow that the oxen had been carrying, he burned it and uses the fire from the plow to cook the meat from the oxen. And he throws a party, and he celebrates the goodness of God, the grace of God in calling him in life. But the act of sacrificing the oxen and the act of burning the plow, it's a sacrifice that says, I'm committed to following God's will and God's plan for my life through the ministry of the spiritual father God has given me. Here's the thing you need to be aware of if you're going to pursue a true spiritual father or mother in the faith in your life. It comes by truly submitting and following after them. Here's the thing. At some point, that father, that mother, 
that pastor, that leader, that teacher. They're going to push you. And they're going to challenge you. And there's going to be times where they even correct you. Or rebuke you. Or offend you. And you have to make the choice. Am I going to submit to my father or my mother in the faith? Or am I going to go back to plowing the fields like I was before? And Elisha, when he slaughters the oxen and he burns the plow, it's like this act of saying, I'm not going back. I'm submitted and I'm fully committed. I'm going to leave anything that I could possibly ever come back to and say, no matter what, if you offend me, if you correct me, if you teach me, if you lead me, get me into a tight spot, if you, if you take me, push me out of my comfort zone a little bit, I'm still committed. Spiritual sonship requires sacrificing your right to be offended. We live in a culture that is driven by offense. We live in a culture that if I'm offended, I'll just move on somewhere else. If I'm offended by what they do or what they say or how they act, I'll just, I'll just change the channel. I'll go to a different school. I'll go to a different church. I'll listen to a different preacher. And we're, we're so driven by offense that, that our offenses are what drives our decision-making process. I will go where I'm not going to be offended. I will go where I'm not going to be rebuked or challenged or corrected. And if you go there, you will never grow. Because those people, listen, the people who tickle your ears don't really care about you. They care about you following them. They care about your bottom in the seat. They care about the numbers, but they don't care about you because if they cared about you, they'd say, hey, this is a bad choice for your life. And I, I really love you and I want you to have a good life. So you need to quit doing that. That's someone that really loves you. And it's not a power trip kind of thing. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's not a manipulation or an abusive thing where a father or mother controls you. It's where a father and mother guides you. Come on. God has ordained that the natural way we grow from infants in Christ to mature believers and followers of Christ is through the ministry of a spiritual parent. A spiritual parent is a mother or father in the faith who I have acknowledged, they're my mother or father in the faith, and he's acknowledged that I'm his son. And I'm committed to following her example. And she's committed to investing and pouring into me. He's someone I can trust to teach me, to coach me, to mentor me, to challenge me, to correct me, and I can trust them not to abuse or manipulate me. That's an important qualification in being a mother or father in the faith. And I've committed to sacrifice because I know they have my best interest at heart. I've committed to sacrifice my right to be offended because my future is more important than my offense. I have to say that one again. I've committed to sacrifice my right to be offended because my future is more important than my temporary offense. A spiritual parent is someone who's got a mature walk with Christ that has a calling and an anointing on them that I want, that I want to walk in, that I want to be a part of. And he or she is willing to impart to me everything they have as a spiritual inheritance. I'm convinced that much of the pain and the heartache and the frustration and the foolishness that we see in church today is because of this. Our churches have produced multitudes of spiritual orphans and very few spiritual sons or daughters. 
And as a result, we have orphans leading orphans, and nobody knows how to parent. A few questions you might have, and I'm almost done. This is just an introduction. In the next few weeks, we're going to kind of look at this some more. A few questions. Well, do I have to be, does my spiritual parent have to be older than me? Not necessarily. They have to be more spiritually mature than you are. There's a lot of old people that aren't mature. A lot of young people that are mature beyond their years. So when you're looking for a father or mother in the faith, find someone who's more mature than you are. Can I just assume that he or she knows that they're my spiritual parent? No. This is an agreement. It's a covenant. It's a, it's a, you've had a conversation and an understanding about the dynamics of the relationship. I'm going to submit to you. I trust you to lead me. I trust you to teach me. I trust you to guide me. Uh, can, I, can I have more than one spiritual mother or father? Maybe. But usually, it's one person or maybe a couple that they're your primary spiritual parents. They're, you can have lots of teachers. You can have lots of mentors. You know, a teacher imparts knowledge to you. And a mentor is someone that in a specific area, maybe your profession or your ministry or an area that they're good at, you want to learn from them. But a mother or father is a different relationship. They're someone that they're committed to the the care of your soul. That they're committed to seeing you step into destiny and purpose and calling and anointing in your life. So maybe you can have more than one, but I would encourage you, find, find a mother or father in the faith. Uh, can my natural parents be my spiritual parents? Yes, and that's great if they are. That's wonderful if they are. That's, I think that's the way really God intended it to be. If they are mature followers of Jesus, they can be your spiritual parents as well. But you should still have a conversation with them and say, you know what, mom and dad, I love you and you've been great examples to me, but in my life, in my walk with Christ, I'm also going to submit to you as someone who, to lead me and guide me. Um, is my pastor my spiritual parent? Can, can they be? Possibly. Uh, your pastor is already the spiritual authority over the local church, and that's the way that works. But the question is, um, have you been willing to submit to him or her as a father or a mother in the faith? And have you had that conversation? And have you had that agreement and that 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 covenant of I'm going to let you lead me and I'm going to let you father me in my walk with the Lord. Um, I don't have a spiritual parent. What do I do next? Well, stay tuned for the next few weeks because we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But I want to encourage you to pray. Get, get wise counsel from a pastor or a leader. Uh, have a conversation with someone that you'd like to follow after and make a prayerful, intentional decision and then be ready to sacrifice your your right to be offended last question i i don't feel i don't really feel ready or qualified to be a spiritual mother or father what do i do well stay tuned next few weeks we're gonna talk about that one too but listen you have to be a son or a daughter before you can be a mother or a father so if you say i'm not ready i don't feel equipped to lead someone else my question to be, who are you following? Who is your spiritual or mother that you're, you're, you've submitted to in your life? And then you commit to growing and walking with the Lord 
and walking with a father or mother in the faith to lead you and guide you. And they're going to impart to you what it means to be a parent. And you'll become qualified. But ultimately, I'll just add this in for free. No one's fully qualified to be a parent when you first become a parent. <laughs> you grow into it. Amen? <laughs> and so, you know what? If, someone, if, you're, if you're further along your walk in, with Christ than someone else, even just a few steps further along, and you say, they've, they've come to me and said, hey, I, I, want, I want what you've got. I, wanna, I want your DNA. I, I want to follow after you. You say, okay, well, I'm following somebody else, so we're just going to do this all together, and we're going to walk down this together. But make sure you're submitted to someone else as a father or mother in the faith. I know this is maybe more a practical message, and we're going to get in, and it, the next few weeks are going to be kind of practical, but I want to go back to what I said before. I think that churches have produced spiritual orphans. We've brought people into the church. We've attracted people with events. We've attracted people with good, with good uh, teaching and, and, and great music and, and good media. And people come. And we're kind of a family because we come together and stuff. But who's our father? I know we have a heavenly father. I, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not neglecting that. But the Bible over and over again states that you need a father to walk with you or a mother to walk with you through life. You see this with Paul and Timothy. You see it with Paul and, and Titus. You see it with, uh, if you read the, the, the book of Philemon, it's just one chapter. And Paul basically says, I'm your father and I need you to obey. And he, he leads and guides his, his spiritual son Philemon. And, and so I think sometimes we, we don't mature in our walk with God because we haven't followed anyone mature in their walk with God. And we end up spiritual orphans and then orphans lead other orphans and nobody knows how to parent. I want you to stand with me this morning if you wouldn't. Pastor Katie, would you come? I know this isn't our typical message, but the next few weeks I want to encourage you to start praying and asking the Lord how can I be a father or a son or a daughter to someone more mature than me? Who, who are you leading me to? And then I want you to begin asking, who's following after me? And am I, am I prepared to be a mother and a father in the faith to them? I want you to every head bow and every eye closed for just a moment. It's just between us. Just between us. Every head bow, every eye closed. Number one, if this is a relatively new concept to you, would you just lift your hand so I can, I want to see who we are, who I'm preaching to this morning. If this is a new concept to you, having a spiritual father or mother, raise your hand. Just like, a, it's okay. It's all right. No problem at all. That, that's totally honest and new and that, that's totally fine. Now, you can put your hands down. Now, I just want to know who I'm preaching to for a minute. If you would say, you know what, Pastor Seth? I'm a believer, but you asked us that question. Who in our life right now are we submitted to as a father or mother? And, and I thought about it, and, and I, I, I came up with a blank. I don't know that I have someone that's more mature than I am that I'm truly submitted to as a father or mother in the faith. Would you raise your hand and say, I, I feel like I'm a spiritual orphan today. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix this. I want to pray for those that raise their hand. And listen, it was almost the whole room. 
it was almost the whole room. I'm going to pray for just a moment that the Lord, over the next weeks and months, is going to align a relationship with you of a man or a woman of God, or maybe both, who you can see, I want what they've got in their walk with the Lord. I want what they've got in their calling and in their purpose and in their ministry. This isn't just something for pastors or for leaders. Everybody. Everybody needs a father or a mother in the faith. And I want to pray for you this morning. Very practical, very practical message. Selection. What do you do? You pray. You ask God to lead you and guide you. Next week, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that worked out in my life. And some of you, many of you have already heard that story before. But you're going to pray and you're going to ask the Lord. To, to lead you and guide you. And who can I follow as a mother or father in the faith? Who can I submit to? And then while you're waiting to get adopted by a spiritual mother or father, you're going to get to work. And you're going to start serving the Lord. And you're going to start doing what you're supposed to do in your calling and your purpose. And wait for God to bring the right person along. And then when you feel like God has put that father or mother in the faith in your, in your path, you're going to go to them and have a conversation. And you're going to say, Lord, or you're going to say, so-and-so, pastor, mom, dad, whoever it is. I don't want you to just be a leader in my life. I want you to be a father or mother to me. Teach me and lead me and guide me and help me grow into spiritual maturity. So, Lord, I pray right now. If you saw the hands that were raised, I saw the hands that were raised. Lord, I pray that over the next few coming weeks and months, that you would adopt some orphans into the family of God, that there would be people that come alongside, that the elders in the room, the leaders in the room, would take up the mantle of being a spiritual father or mother to the next generation. And that those in the room that raised their hands and said, you know what, I, I, I don't have that person just yet, but I, I want what they've got, and I, 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 want, I want to be led, and I want to be matured, and I want to be discipled, and I want to grow. And so, God, would you bring people into my life, a man or a woman of God, that I can trust, that they won't manipulate me, they won't abuse me, but they'll parent me in the faith. They'll be a father or a mother to me in the faith. And, Lord, I'm going to go have a conversation with them, and I'm going to start a journey letting someone lead me and teach me and guide me. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that... I believe this series is very important over the next few weeks, God, because I believe it's going to bring a shift to the maturity of our church. Because you're going to, we're going to step into the God-ordained and biblical way of growing disciples, of growing people as followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for an anointing of just familial relationships, Lord, for for the hearts of fathers to be turned to sons and the hearts of sons to be turned to fathers. And Lord, that you would open up that, that this concept to us that we can step into true spiritual paternity. Lord, I want to be a good son so that I can be a good father. Lord, I know there's women here. I want to be a good daughter so I can be a good mother. And so Lord, we just say right now, God, we're submitted to you arranging our relationships and our lives so that we can step into this truth in your word and we can walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.